0: This is Home with Havalek. I'm Havalek Cunnington. Thanks for joining today's podcast as we talk about the secrets to waiting well. I like to say, everybody waits. You can't get away from it, so you might as well learn how to wait well. And many of us may be waiting wrong. I know, I've never really thought of it like this until I really began to dive into this topic. For many of us, waiting is a place of torture and pain, heartache, and even a place where we lose our faith. So today we're going to jump into the topic of waiting well. We're going to discover three specific ways that we wait well. And at the end, I'm going to share an opportunity for any of you that may be living a single life. You know, for many of us, we want to talk about relationships. When we talk about being single, many of you have written in to us or you know, I've met you at a live event and you've said, talk more about finding the love of your life. Talk more about relationships. And we've heard you. So this entire month is on the topic of waiting and finding the relationship. And I'm not going to be alone. In fact, I have a fantastic guest in the middle and at the end of the month as we're going to talk about what it looks like to be single until you're 40, and also what it looks like to be divorced and start again, and how to actually find the love of your life after a failed relationship. So I'm really excited you're here. We're going to jump right in and make sure that if you have questions or this spoke to you, please, please, please leave it in the reviews and do us a favor, leave us five stars because it's really the best way for other people to find us. All right, you guys, we're not going to wait any longer. Let's jump in to today's podcast. Today, I want to talk about the difference between contending and being content. It's really interesting when you're in the Bible and you're a person of faith, there's this real clear, really line in the sand where there's a moment where we're supposed to be contending for greater things and better things and, and more. And then there's also in passages in scripture, it really reminds us to be content and to wait upon the Lord. And so I want to talk about that messy middle, that part of our lives where we want to be content, but we don't want to settle. And then we also want to contend for something, but we don't want to feel like unsettled and and just always anxious about missing something. And if you're like me, I have definitely lived in both sides of the camp. Sometimes I've lived very content, very happy, very um, fulfilled, this is great, for like five seconds. And then there's other times in my life where I've lived like I'm contending, uh, but almost like I'm going to contend whether God wants it or not, I'm going to fight my way through it. And both of those places really are not a place of peace, they're not a place of clarity, And I I relate it to this. If you've ever been pregnant or been around, maybe your wife's been pregnant or someone in your family, you know, I remember telling my husband, I don't think it's fair that God requires every woman to wait the same amount. Like that's just not fair. Like I have friends that are super patient and long suffering and gracious, and they only have to wait nine months. And then there's those of us that are always impatient and anxious and antsy and want to get it done, and we have to wait nine months. I feel like it should be according to your personality, (laughs) but God doesn't do it that way. He has a time and a place. He knows what it's going to require for that infant or that birth or that promise to take form. And so oftentimes we think we're ready, but we're really not. I remember uh, thinking early on when I got pregnant, I could have this baby. Absolutely. Let's, I'm going to give birth to this baby. It's going to be amazing. Let's do it. And then the longer I was pregnant and the longer it required this preparation, the more I realized that God was preparing my heart and my body for the sacrifice of being a mom. Like being pregnant is sacrificial. We give our bodies over to another being. I mean, how crazy is that? I just, I can't think about it too much. It kind of weirds me out, but I've been pregnant four times and each time I couldn't think about it for too long. Cause it was just so weird. Is anybody else like that? Like there's a body in my body. (laughs) There's a brain being formed. There's a human being. And oh my gosh, I hope I'm safe with it. And I hope that it, I don't know what it's going to look like or come out like. I mean, it's just a very out of control, crazy feeling, wonderful, miraculous, but pretty crazy. And so in the middle of me waiting for that baby to be born, God was not necessarily just preparing the baby, but he was preparing me to be a mother, the longer I got along, the further I got along, the less sleep I got, uh, the more uncomfortable I was, the more I, I wanted to eat a lot, but then I couldn't eat a lot, or the more I couldn't have a lot of caffeine, or I couldn't have sugar, or whatever it was, the more my body was reacting, and that was, I believe, God's way of preparing me for motherhood. You're going to be tired, you're going to be hungry, you're not going to be fully fulfilled. You're not going to feel like the world revolves around you, like you're kind of out of control. and All of those feelings are not meant to torture us, but they're actually meant to prepare us for motherhood because motherhood is laying your life down. It's being exhausted sometimes. It's being hungry. It's feeling a little out of control. All of those are preparation. And so when it comes to in our lives when we're talking about waiting well or learning to wait... Waiting well is learning the balance between contentment and contending. And it's not, and I love this phrase, Craig Rochelle has said this about other things, but waiting is not a problem to solve. Like I was bad at waiting and now I'm good at waiting. Check, I'm good. Waiting isn't one of those, okay, I had to wait when I was in my 20s and then all my dreams came true and in my 30s, I've never had to wait. No, no, no. Waiting is not a problem to solve, but rather attention to manage. If you are waiting for something right now, I guarantee you're going to have to wait for something else in the future. Waiting is not a sign of a delayed promise. Waiting is a sign that God is a God of miracles and He sometimes wants to prepare us for the miracle that he's going to give us. So waiting is a part of the journey. It's not that you've gotten lost or detoured. Waiting often is a part of the story. And the reason we have to wait is not just because God doesn't want to give it to us, but often we wait because God is producing something within us that's going to give us the confidence and the clarity to hold the promise right? We won't do it perfectly, but we'll have a little bit more of a sacrificial, well, a sacrificial strength, but also an incredible gratitude because we will remember what it was like to not know, right? To not have it all together, to not be able to solve that problem. And so waiting well is attention to manage, not a problem to solve. You know, when I gave my life to Christ at 17, I didn't know what God was going to do with me. One of the dreams in my heart was always to be married and have babies. I loved my family. I'm an Italian woman. We love family. And I just loved that idea. I loved the idea of love. I lived through the rom-com season of all those romantic comedies and I lived in all that, those you know romantic moments and I got very excited about finding the love of my life. And that's when I was 15 and 16 and 18 and 20, I was ready to seal the deal meet the love of my life, and start our life together. But as I gave my life to Christ, I knew that I couldn't just give him the things I wanted to give him, but I had to give him everything. That meant that I needed to give him not just my spiritual life, but my sex life, my romantic life, the way that I did my world he got a vote in all of it. And it wasn't just one vote versus one vote, but he got a veto vote, the vote that said yes or no. And so when it came to surrendering my life to Christ and becoming a follower of Christ, I remember having to lay my romantic life down before him and saying, okay, God, you get a vote. You get a say in this relationship. I'm not going to pick someone and then pray that you bless it I want to know that this is in your plan and this is your heart for me. And so I waited. And you guys, I waited and waited and waited. And that's not to be, you know, cruel because I know a lot of you have waited a lot longer than I did. But when you are 20 and 22 and 25 and you're waiting on God and all of a sudden everyone around you is getting married and having babies and you're waiting and then you're believing God and then you find somebody that you think might be the one and God says no. And that happens twice before 25. This is the one, no. This is the one, no. And I'm waiting on God and I'm learning and I remember writing a message series in those early years called When God hides himself from you. Now, my theology has changed a little bit about that concept, but the aching and the torture, you know, the tortured soul of not knowing how to fix something, not knowing how to get to where I want to go, knowing that there is more, knowing that I'm not going to settle, but I don't know how to reach out and grab the dream, grab the vision, right? Grab the the hope. I don't know how to do that. And so many of us are going to find some season in our life where we are waiting. You guys, I met the love of my life at 25, married at 26, had my four babies in five years. And can I just say, I never stopped waiting. Yes, I never stopped waiting for the one But I was waiting for so many other things. Am I going to be able to wait? Okay, can I buy my first house? I'd never owned a home. Uh, Am I going to be, you know, out of debt? Am I going to have that call? Am I going to um, get to write a book? I don't know. But there's always these moments where we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. and, And that's just the reality. So let's talk about why waiting is so hard. How many of you are waiting today and you're like, I am... I go between contentment and contending. I go between anger and joy (laughs) within a 24-hour radius. Okay, me too. So why is it hard? Because when God asks us to wait, he doesn't give us a time frame. Have you ever noticed that with God? Like he might even say, it's coming, or I'm going to move on your behalf. But how many of you have seen in the Bible that God moves on his own time? And when he says he's going to move suddenly, that suddenly could take a while, right? And we don't often know. I was thinking about the baby situation again. You know, we go to the doctor. We find out we're pregnant. They take our blood work. They do an ultrasound. They give us all the details of the baby. And then we say, well, when is the baby going to be born? And they say, well, your due date is this specific date, but we don't really know. You could come early. You could come late. We don't know. Now, you would think after all these years of progression and, you know, all of the scientific development and all the things, you would think that we'd be able to pick the due date and have birth that day. But we don't. Why? Because God still likes to keep the mystery. I remember when Uh, I was pregnant with each of my children. I asked the doctor, how big is the baby going to be? And she said, well, you're measuring big. He'll probably be around 10 pounds. You guys, all of my babies were under seven and a half pounds. I never had a big baby. And I asked her after number two out of the four babies, how are we so off on this? I keep thinking I'm going to have this Goliath and I'm having a little David, like what's happening? And she said, you know, God just likes to keep things mysterious. He just, we can't figure it all out. We can't control it all. And for many of us, we're in this season where we want to know when the due date is, how big the baby's going to be, and then we'll have faith for it. And God isn't asking us to journey out into the unknown because we know where we're landing and we know what we're going to make and we know who we're going to marry and we know what we're going to do. Like, that's not what he's asking. He's asking us to pack up our belongings at Egypt right? Like the Israelites, pack it up, follow my voice, journey out into the desert. And I promise you, you're going to get a promised land. It's going to take a little while, but follow me. For many of us, the reason we haven't experienced the supernatural wows of God, the miraculous movements of God is because we're still hanging out in Egypt, hoping that he'll do something. And he's saying, I can't give you the promised land until you pack up Egypt. And for many of us, we haven't done that yet. I can't give you miracles in finance if you're terrified to ever give financially or you're too terrified to ever believe that I could do more. Or I can't give you the husband or the wife if you're so wrapped up in this better look this way and act this way and be this way and be this color and be this size and you're all wrapped up in the what you see on the external that I can't actually give you somebody that I think is the right one for you because it doesn't line up with your checklist. Come on, you know I'm preaching to somebody there, right? And for many of us, we get stuck in the middle and God says, give me something to bless. I can't bless disobedience. I can't bless fear. I can't bless uh, anxiety. I can bless faith. I can bless hope. I can bless uh, sacrificial giving. I can bless those things. So give me something to bless. So when we're in the waiting season, the hardest part is, is we don't know how long it's going to take. And I get that. Some of you thought it was going to be a year, and you're in 10 years. Some of you thought it was going to happen in your 20s, and you're in your 30s. Some of you thought it was going to happen, and you're in your 60s. So we don't know why God's requiring us to wait. But the hardest part of waiting is that we don't actually know when it's going to happen. And so we can control two things in the waiting season. If you are writing something down, make sure you you write these two things down, because this is important. The first thing we can control in the waiting season, in a season that feels out of our control, is we can control how we wait. We can't control how long we wait. We can't control when we wait. But we can control how we wait. The position of our heart, mind, actions, attitudes, those things are within our control. And secondly... We can control the person we become in the waiting. So I get to control how I position my heart, how I position my life, how I'm going to wait. And I also can position who I become in the journey. And for so many of us, we're so destination obsessed that we forget that becoming is part of it. Oswald Chambers once said, the end is the process. And what he meant by that is, it's not that the end is is the, you know, we just have to get to the finish line and that's it. We will turn around and realize that the finish line was not the point. The end, the journey, the success was along the way. It was the process. And so for many of us, that is the aha moment when we stop obsessing about the finish line and we start asking God these really deep and profound questions like, Who am I to you? And who have you created me to be? And if this never happens in my life, what is your great plan for me? And if you're asking me to lay this down, you're worth it. You are worthy of it all. Those are the things that he's asking us to look at. And for many of us, we're so scared to look at the what if God never does it. We don't understand that God might turn around and say, absolutely. I just want to have your heart in it. And that's up to us. Okay. So we don't get to control how long we wait, but we can control how we wait and who we become in the middle of the waiting. Can I ask you a question? Do you want to be a communicator? Do you have something on your heart that you want to share with the world, but you're not sure if you're doing it the best way? I get it. And for many of us, we want to preach or communicate, but we don't know how to prepare or outline or develop a message or teaching. And after 25 years of preaching all around the world, one of my greatest passions is to support you and help those of us that feel called to preach, teach, and communicate the Word of God. So I have something for you. On July 15th, I'm hosting a free live masterclass. It is completely free and open to anyone you only need to register we're going to look at all kinds of topics like how do i pick my topic for messages or how do i note my audience needs we'll also look at what god is speaking to you and how to identify your message target we'll look at communication methods and text and topic and expository styles We'll look at navigating the Bible and searching scripture. And at the very end, I will answer your questions live on the air. So whether you're just getting started or you've been preaching and communicating for years, this is for you. I'll share with you my exact strategy, structure, and tools that I use each and every time to structure my message that I communicate. So it's called Learn to Message Prep, your step-by-step guide preparing the perfect message. And this class is for you. You do not want to miss it. It's all the good stuff. So make sure and sign up and save your spot and share it with anybody you think who would like to be there. You can either click the link or go to messageprep.com. That's M-E-S-S-A-G-E-P-R-E-P.com. Save your seat. And I'll see you on July 15th. So while we're waiting for God in our lives, while we're waiting for the breakthrough, uh, we can often forget what waiting well looks like. And I've got three main points I want you to take away with you today when it comes to waiting well. You see, waiting means, just in the dictionary, to stay in place and in expectation. Waiting means to stay in place, to not lose your place in line, right? To stand where you are and to wait in expectation. Someone once said, it's as if you're on the front porch of your house and you're looking out and you've stood up and you are waiting for promise to come. You're waiting for purpose to come. You're not laid out, sound asleep, you know, needing to be woken up in the middle to say, hey, your promise is here, please get up, you know? No, no. It's literally standing on the front porch Hope is standing, looking out and believing it's coming with eyes wide open and a heart that says, yes, and amen to the things of God. And so we wait on him. And I love that because many of us, we think we're waiting well. I've been guilty of this. I think I'm waiting well but I'm not standing in my place. I'm jumping into other people's places in line. I'm over here saying, can we fix this? And hey, God, can we do this? And let's paint this wall. And let's take this porch off. And God's like, no, no, I want you to stand in your place. Just stand there. But God, I wanted to be doing more. Well, sweetheart, If you want to be doing more, you can, but it's not going to fast forward my purpose and plan for you. And to be honest, you might end up being a little distracted. So when I do bring the thing that you're waiting along, you're too busy trying to solve somebody else's waiting season. And so that is what's critical. Uh, We Place of waiting well, and this is what I would say to you and everybody that's listening today, if you are waiting well, then you are standing in attention Your heart is standing before God. Your mind is on alert. Your spirit is alive. You are waiting in expectation for God to move. It's an expectation. And not just an expectation for him to do what you want him to do. But David said, I wait upon the Lord. My expectation is in him. Our expectation is in God. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So we stand. And then not only that, we expect God to move. We expect God to heal. We expect God's hand to move on our behalf. We expect him to come. This is the heart of expectancy. So I'm not bummed out, discouraged, brokenhearted, hanging out, hoping God can get it together. I have gotten as healed as I know how to get. I'm as whole as I know how to be. Uh, I'm as alive in my heart as much as I can be. I'm waiting on God. I'm journeying. It doesn't mean it's easy. doesn't mean it's simple, but I'm alive, right? And so what are the three things that I want you to understand about waiting well, specifically with God? What are those three things? The first thing that I really want us to look at is in the book of Lamentations 3, verse 25, it says, the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. How do we wait well? Well, we wait well by leaning into the goodness of God. We expect God to be good because he is good. I I want you to just follow this for a minute. Many of us, and myself included, We don't often believe that his intentions toward us is completely pure, that he will not withhold anything from us, that he's not trying to teach us a lesson by withholding, that we have a tendency to grin and bear it rather than knowing God's goodness is going to chase me down. It's hunting me down. His goodness, his grace, his mercy, his kindness is on a manhunt for me. It's coming to wow me, to amaze me, to overwhelm me, right? His goodness. And I love what Lamentation says because it says, the Lord is good. You know, we always heard this, right? God, God is good all the time. and We hear these kind of narratives in our faith communities, but I really want you to think about that for a minute. Any part of my heart that doesn't believe that God's intentions are good is an area that needs healing and wholeness, and breakthrough. Because when we start to look for the goodness of God, what are we going to find? We're going to find his goodness. It's confirmation bias, right? A psychological thing where we, we look around and when we start to build a case, whatever we're looking for, we tend to see more of. It's the same thing with the goodness of God. If we're stuck believing God is not good or is distant or is angry, the case in those areas will be built. We will see only those things. But when we look for the goodness of God, God is good. And I'm looking around. Look at the air that I'm breathing. Look at my kid, you know, who's smiling at me and is healthy. Look at that bill that just got paid. Look at look at the breakthrough that I just had. Those things begin to confirm to us that he is good and his goodness is chasing after, running after me, right? And so the first thought is that we need to lean into the goodness of God. Lean the Bible says to set our hearts. That means to lean upon, to rely. You know, you guys, we are relying on the goodness of God. I'm relying on the fact that he wants only good things for me. He's coming for me. And when we get clear on that, life begins to take this deep breath internally and we begin to go, okay, I do have a God, creator God who loves me and is for me and it's not forgotten about me and it's not withholding from me. His goodness is running after me, and I can relax because when it comes after me and it finds me, it's going to overwhelm me. And the message will be: it was worth it. When we experience the goodness of God, it's like it was worth it. All the pain, all the struggle, all the tears. It was worth every ounce of struggle. And that is what waiting well looks like, is that it's going to make sense either on this side of heaven or the other side of heaven, but it will be worth it. Second thing is, Psalms 27, 14 says, wait for the Lord, be strong, and let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. The second thing in waiting well is that we need to be strong and courageous. That's right. I'm looking at you right now. You need to be strong and courageous. I think about Joshua when Moses was realizing he's not going into the promised land and God is raising up this next generation to go into the promised land. And the spirit of God begins to speak to Joshua and he says it over and over again in the first few chapters. He says, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. You see, these people, Israelites, had wandered through the desert They have wandered, hoping for the promised land. Some of them had never seen it, didn't know where it was going to be. But the spirit of God said, if you're going to take the promised land, then you are going to have to be strong and courageous. Some of you, you're weak and fearful, but you want, you're waiting on God. No, 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 no. You're not going to be able to take the land in fear and anxiety and weakness. You're only going to be able to take the promise of God by being strong and courageous By believing there's a supernatural strength that comes upon you. And like David fought Goliath, he didn't do it in his own strength. He did it with his own skill, but he did it with the wisdom of heaven. And for many of you, fear, doubt, and unbelief are the things that are leading you right now. And can I be honest with you as your spiritual older sister or mama bear? You guys, God is not able to move on your behalf because you're so afraid and you're so anxious and you're so overwhelmed that you're not waiting well. You're waiting in fear and anxiety and selfishness. And God wants you to know that is not how you have to wait. You can be strong and courageous in the wait. You can be strong in God. You can be brave in God. Why? Because you know that when he moves, you will be required to take the land. Listen, I can be waiting for God to open up opportunity for me, but if all I am is weak and fearful and anxious, when God opens the door, what's going to show up? It's going to, my fear and anxiety and all the things. I have to practice the clarity. I have to practice the purpose. If I practice the purpose, then when the door opens, I can operate in the purpose. But if I don't practice it, you know, environments don't change the man come on, marriages don't change the woman, <laughs> right? Opportunities don't change the woman. It's just not how it works. We have to become, and the environment simply dictates that which was already there. How many of you have ever been around a leader that's not a great leader, and you want to say, just because you have the title, just because you're my boss doesn't mean you're a great boss. A title doesn't make the man. A title doesn't make the woman, it's the character, it's the the action, it's the underlying narrative in their life that makes them. And so for you, you're going to have to start to act like the person who's getting the promise, not the person that's terrified he's not going to get it. So it's very critical. So that's the second one is to be strong and courageous. And then lastly, Isaiah 40, 31 says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings of eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not faint. The third way that we wait well is we receive supernatural grace. If you are doing it in your own strength, you might be making it, but I'm sure you're tired and overwhelmed and maybe even a little heart sick or heartbroken Because you are not actually living in the fullness of God. It's like if God gave you this gorgeous house and you only were in the bedroom and you just sat on your bed and you're like, you know, I just feel like my life is so small and feel like I, I can't, nothing has changed. I'm doing the exact same thing. And the Holy Spirit wants to say, would you leave your bedroom and walk around the house? There is so much more for you. And for many of us, we may have had grace for the bedroom, you know, and this is getting strange when I'm talking about this way, but you guys you guys are tracking. We may have had grace for that season, but God wants to expand your seasons of grace that you won't just go, well, I'm just going to grin and bear it. Grace for today. That's all I've got. And God says, no, not just grace for today. Grace for everything in front of you. Grace for the weight. Grace for the years. Grace for the decades, Right. And so we need to receive supernatural grace. How do we do that? The Bible says, if you ask not, you have not. So we simply ask, Holy Spirit, I ask you for supernatural grace that as I wait on you, I will run and not faint. I will walk and not grow weary, right? I will mount up like wings on eagles. I will fly, right? In the spirit. And this is really important. Some of us We've never leaned into the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit that wants to help us make it, guys. This is a spiritual practice for anything that we're in. Some of you, you you need to wait, but your waiting is tortured. And I want and I get it. I've done it. But waiting on God with the supernatural grace changes the game. It's like caffeine. <laughs> it changes everything. So it's really important. That we begin to wait well, whatever the season might be. You know, I want to remind us of these three things one last time. We need to lean into the goodness of God, expect his goodness, expect that he's coming, expect that he's bringing breakthrough. Number two, we need to be strong and courageous. We have to grow up and become spiritual warriors. We have to believe because we cannot possess that which we don't actually live out. We've got to become that thing. And then lastly... We need to receive a supernatural grace for the waiting and simply ask, Help me to wait well. Wow. You know, so many of us are single women waiting on God. I know that there's a lot of you because we have lots of conversations everywhere I go, and many of you are on this podcast. And I was 27 when I married my husband. But you guys, I was in 17 weddings. I was around all of these marriages and all the things, but yet I knew God was asking me to wait. And for many of you, I've heard the same thing from you. God's asking me to wait, but I, you know, how am I doing this and how do I do this well? Well, I want to encourage you that we have something for you. Yes, the married ladies can jump in if they want, but this is specifically for single women and a few guys that are on here as well. This is for you. Next week on the podcast, I'm going to have my friend Krista Smith join me. We are having a conversation on being singled out in a couple's world. What does that look like? I'm really excited. And the cool part is she's coming out with a book next month, and she's going to talk about God's timing, how she met the love of her life at close to 40, and how she's living out her best life and calling right now and how to do that. We're going to have the hard conversations. We're going to talk about what it looks like to wait in your 30s, your late 30s, and even give up the idea of ever being married. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to give you some sneak peeks into some of the other things that we're going to talk about the following week. So jump in. Don't forget. Make sure you set a reminder to join us next week as Chris Smith joins me on my podcast to talk about being singled out in a couple's world. Most of all, you guys, I want you to be encouraged that you are not alone in this journey, that you can do this. And if nothing else, we want to be your people to help encourage you to keep believing God for the things he's promised.